Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, a weekly interview show about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 76 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. It's great to be back, and I'm really excited to bring you a conversation this week with Larissa Brown and her husband, Martin John Brown. They teamed up to write the book Knit Along, celebrating the tradition of knitting together. It traces the history of knitting in groups to the modern-day knit-along. They ran six knit-alongs to kind of prepare to write this book and kind of gather information and projects and so forth. And what's really special about this is they included the the people who participated in all these knit-alongs have their name in the end papers of this book. Another thing that's really unique about this book is the projects it contains. These are not like your basic run-of-the-mill projects. These are very unique projects, everything from a felted piece crane to meathead hats that I know Martin is, has high hopes that these will sweep the nation and everyone will want to knit one and wear one. And I kind of hope so, too. I like these hats, kind of elfish-looking uh, with an opportunity to personalize it with your own little bling above the ear that you can add after you get done knitting. I love the fact that it celebrates just the community of knitters. But even if you're not a knitter at this point, uh, keep listening because I think what Larissa and and Martin John have to say about this project is really interesting. And uh, just the community aspect and the getting together to work on something, whether it be online or in person, that's universal. I'm going to let you hear from this lovely couple that makes their home in Portland, Oregon, this is a beautiful book, and I'm so glad to have you on the show this week. I think it's really fabulous. It's cool because I don't know of any other couples, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know of any couples out there who have recently put out a craft book. So I think you guys are kind of in a class of your own right now. And also, the fact that it's about knit-alongs, this is really great because a lot of us have participated in knit-alongs, but I don't think anyone's ever come along and done a a comprehensive kind of overview and how-to all-in-one. So it's really fantastic what you guys have done. Thank you. I definitely want to make sure we're, we're spending a lot of time talking about your book because there's plenty to discuss there. But before we do, I'd love it if you guys can maybe each take a turn just telling us a little bit about your history as writers and crafters. Larissa, in general, why don't you go first And because, you know, you're the main creative force and then... <laughs> And then um, if I have anything to add, uh, I'll do that. (laughs) What a nice man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, um, I've been knitting since I was about five years old, so about almost 35 years. And I, uh, you know, over the past 10 years or so, learned to do more than slippers and afghan strips. And so I really got better at it, and I really got a lot more interested and a lot more into it when I discovered the, the internet world of knitters, and um, that everything just sort of grew out of that, and that's my craft background. I also do a little bit of sewing, but it's not very accomplished, <laughs> so I, I stick to knitting pretty much. <laughs> well, who taught you to knit way back when you were five? Uh, my grandmother did, my grandmother Olive, Yeah. and uh, I knitted all my, my first projects with her. And she had to, I was very obsessive about my first projects, and I would knit these really long garter strips, and if I made a mistake, she would say, we have to rip. 
and I would cry <laughs> back. And um, then, it, you know, if I was staying over her house or something and she'd put the stuff away for the night, I'd go to sleep and dream about it. And I'd sleepwalk looking for my project. Wow. She had to hide them from me. So I was obsessed from an early age. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really great. Yeah, a lot of kids, you know, they go through a phase where they're really into it and then not so much anymore. But you were con- pretty much interested ever since, would you say? Yeah, 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 I have. I mean, it it came and went over the years, but I have done knitting ever since. Well, that's great. And so when you you grew up, and um, where, what did you study in school? Oh, I was a theater arts major. Okay. And I did some playwriting. Awesome. And so I, um, nothing involved with textiles or knitting at all. Yeah. But I'm back to knitting. <laughs> yeah, and so is that what you're doing full-time now is knitting? Or? No, I, I do have a, a job a couple of days a week, two days a week. What do you but, What do you do for a living? I mean, what is What is your job? Um, I do grant writing for a nonprofit here in Portland, and um, so it's kind of different. And I try to just keep each thing in its own, on its own days and in its own area, and try to balance it out. Because I looked at your website, and it looks like you have a number of patterns that you created yourself. When did you get started with that? Um, I. I got started actually through the process of the book. Really? Because I had done just maybe one or two patterns before that. And Melanie, the editor, just, you know, she she didn't, she wasn't afraid about that. She looked at our qualifications as writers and our aesthetic as artists and, and was confident in us. But I really got my, um, you know, I got sort of thrown into the deep end of designing patterns by doing the book. And... After the book, I did a couple of individual patterns. Prior to that, I had some free ones on my website. Now I have a couple of um, single patterns for sale, too. Awesome. Yeah. So it's been, it sounds like it's really been a springboard into the designing for you. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I don't pursue the designing the way that some people do, like with, you know, submitting patterns to every issue of every magazine. Right, and right. going all the time. But when I do have an idea, now I know how to bring it to fruition and like Martin was commenting recently that one of the designs I finished a few weeks ago and submitted to Nitty came out looking exactly like my sketch and that was pretty impressive (laughs) (laughs) so I think I'm learning something about it through all this experience. As far as your artwork goes I was reading a little bit about some of the installations that you've done I know there was one that you did where you you had other people helping you do the knitting, and it sounds like that's what led to this book. Now, can you talk a little bit about your art, the art you've done before this book? I was a a visual artist. I still am a little bit, and I did installations and sculptures that had to do in part with repetition and with repetitive labor, and a lot of them were about work. Like, they would be made of materials from the workplace, like papers and memos from work. I did a quilt made of day planner pages <laughs> that were people's, you know, used pages. Yeah. And their appointments and things on them. Um, and so I kind of, I, I wanted to do this installation with 100 knitted hats. And I realized that I did not have the stamina or the desire to knit all the hats myself before the thing had to be done. And so I put out a call for volunteers on my website, and I got enough people to do this installation just from volunteers. And it was just an amazing experience because I thought all of these hats were going to be the same. I actually sent each person the yarn to use as well as the pattern, 
and they came back all different. You know, and everyone working from the same pattern with the same yarn created something that was uniquely their own. And that became a really important part of the installation. And that was something that I discussed with Melanie Fallick, the editor of the book, when I first met her and we began to talk about this book. And that is that one of the really interesting things about knit-alongs is that it really shows the individuality that comes out even when people are all knitting the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the book really celebrates that, and I really enjoy that. And that's what I love about knit-alongs and about flicker groups that show everyone knitting the same object or some of the galleries that we have on our site, knitalong.net, and, and the things that are shown in, in the book is that they're the same hat or they're the same sweater or they're the same blanket, but because of what everyone brings as a knitter to the project, they're wildly different from one another. We're going to continue along that line, but I do want to get Martin in, into the conversation here as well. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, Martin? Kind of introduce yourself to the listeners out there. Sure. Um... I'm basically a writer. I usually do uh, magazine pieces that have to do with either history or the environment. Like, for example, I had a, a piece in Make magazine recently, which was making your own tabletop biosphere. Awesome. I really am not a knitter or a crafter, but I just kind of approached the... I knew there was definitely something going on in, the, in this world of... Uh, you know, social crafting, and I was just kind of uh, absorbing a lot of that via Larissa. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just a- approached the subject as a journalist, mostly from the outside, although I did do a tiny, tiny bit of knitting. And I, But I think that actually coming at it from the outside, it, it probably helped me see some things that other people were not quite so aware of. Yeah, like what, for instance? Well, I think the thing that really struck me is that... Um, in these, in these groups of people, whether they were online or, or in person, knitting more than other common activities, you know, more than other common hobbies, really seemed to be fostering friendships mm-hmm. between people who might not otherwise be friends. And, of course, it always happens, and, you know, in any activity, like if you're a skydiver, you're going to be friends with the other skydivers. But... Um, it seemed to be more powerful in, in knitting, and I was very interested in that, and I... In my mind, I've really been trying to figure out why that why that is, um, and I have some ideas, but they're not really, uh, you know, I can't really prove them. Well, what do you think? Why do you think that is, given the research you've done? Well, but I think the key observation, and this is, I did enough knitting to notice this myself, mm-hmm. is that um, something about the repetitive nature of the activity makes people actually more receptive to what other people are saying. Um, and, you know, it, it enables them to listen more. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. I've had that same response myself. For example, you know, I mean, the day that I really tasked myself to, to go knit so I would at least have some experience with the book, um, there was another person in, the, in this little informal class that I was in that uh, was just making some very tiresome conversation about her bathroom floor or something, <laughs> and, um, and uh, I, I know that normally I would have had to leave, <laughs> but um, I was able to stay there completely uh, contented while so the, I you know, worked on my little bookmark. Or so so the, the, the knitting yeah. made you tolerant 
you know, made you feel, you know, like you could, you could listen forever to this. Well, maybe not forever, but you could at least um, be receptive to her tile yeah, conversation or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, if you, and if you talk to people like in, in uh, the Church of Crafts, for example, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they're, they might bring a slightly more spiritual aspect to it. I mean, they might say that just the act of creating something, you know, puts you in a more generous and accepting mode. Um, and they're basically talking about the same thing. It's just they're, they're giving it a slightly different reason, you know, where, as opposed to it's a more spiritual reason as opposed to, like, a biological one. But anyway. Well, and I think you're just, you know, you're occupied with something just enough that, like you said, you don't get up and leave or you don't jump in with your own conversation as much as you would mm -hmm. if exactly. you didn't have that in your hands. And so... Yeah. It just keeps you enough occupied that you let everybody else talk and kind of listen, and then it becomes your turn at some point, and they listen to you. But it is it it, it lends a different experience where usually a lot of people have things they want to say in a conversation, and they're all over each other. And in a knitting conversation, it can be very different if everyone is working on something because you're, you're occupied a little bit, mm -hmm. and you don't yeah. need to do that. Yeah, and so, I mean, to the extent that I think something is really important about knit-alongs, I mean, I think that here's something, you know, that increases people's patience and increases their ability to listen. I mean, and, you know, how could that possibly be bad for the world? <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I think the UN yeah. should start having mandatory knitting sessions, you know, um, <laughs> so everyone can just listen a little better. Yeah. Well, they're really good for work retreats, too. Yeah, I, yeah, I can... They knitted a huge shawl at a work retreat a couple of years ago. Like, we had the whole day, and they knitted so much, and I was so much better able to, like, <laughs> you know, understand what was going on and not be, like, a brat and go, I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some managers across the country should really think about having, like, free knitting sessions, you know, for uh, team-building workshops at work. Yeah, I think right. that would be great. That could be maybe your next book, you know, How to Take This Corporate. You know, <laughs> good idea. Yeah, tell, yeah. Tell Melanie, I uh, I, I kind of help, helped you out with that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and so Martin, you said you did do some knitting. How extensive is your knitting skill now? I mean, would you say your your experience with knitting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's, I I really only did like that little session and some other and and a few other you know uh, attempts. Yeah, I mean, I really, I really did approach it as a journalist. So, I mean, basically, I'm not, I'm not an editor. So. Okay, and so you, ha and you have no desire. It sounds like to to take up the needles and bring them everywhere you go. You're, it's just not your thing. No, I've been, I've been trying. I mean, I really did appreciate that experience of having the repetitive activity, like give me patience. Mm -hmm. But just into, I, but I, I definitely didn't. So I would like to experience something like that again. But I. I didn't have the sort of, um, you know, addictive reaction uh, to actually touching the fiber and doing those particular motions that some people seem to have. Well, you guys are going to probably be better off financially because of that. Because if only one of you is addicted, then, you know, it's, yeah. it's less costly than if both of you were spiraling into this fiber addiction. So yeah. um, <laughs> uh, I am the only, you know, my husband doesn't knit either, has no desire to. So, and I think that actually saves us a great deal of money, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's okay, Martin. We appreciate the work you've done on this book, though. And I'm curious about whose idea was the book? Well, um, that's an interesting 
story because Martin and I pitched a, a different book when we were first looking to write a writing book. We had a different idea. Okay. And um, we went to meet Melanie to talk to her about that idea, and she said basically, I'm already publishing that book, which is your nightmare when you've pitched a book. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, so, and she really was. And so, um, and so that book that we were pitching was very similar to Knit Knit, which is a book that she has out now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so I talked to her for a while, and I felt very crestfallen, like, oh, gosh, we're not going to get to do a book. But we started talking about some other things and just having a conversation about my, you know, we talked about the knitted artwork that I had done and the, the, the repetition and the individuality that comes out and those kind of things. And Melanie said, well, this is a subject that I really think needs to be explored. And Melanie sort of brought it up and then said, how would you do a book like this? And so we came back with Knit Along, the book, the concept for this book. So it was really a joint effort coming up with the idea and coming up with exactly what the book would include and what it would look like and feel like in your hands and all of that was considered even at the very start and so um and and i think the book is a lot like what we thought it would be even from the start there are certainly some things that that didn't get included and some things that changed and grew along the way Mm -hmm. but um it took us two years almost to the day to do this book It, it was released just now on march 15th 2008 and i I looked at our proposal that we first sent Melanie, and it was from March 2006. Wow. So a lot of things evolved through the process. And the, but the original idea was a, a group effort. And then, you know, very. I, I'm surprised, actually, at how little has changed because Melanie worked with us early on to get a really strong concept set for the book, and we really knew what we wanted to do. So um, it's been a really interesting process. And yeah. really... If I could jump in about that, sure. I'm, ac- I'm actually amazed at how much survived and how much if the book was like our original idea. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, have to give Melanie a little bit of credit. I mean, one thing we knew about Stuart, Tabori, and Chang was that they made very nice-looking books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was a good motivation to go with them. But... I was a little bit concerned that some of the more serious substance, you know, might fall away um, because, you know, there are aspects of, of mid-alongs, especially, you know, in, with the, in a historical context, which, you know, are not really fun or comfortable, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking about people doing hard work, people that, you know, are um, in more desperate situations than hobby knitters find themselves today. Right, right. And um and but I but I have to give the publishers credit. I mean they let us stick with that stuff and you know the, there is some the historical stuff is pretty serious. Mhm. Yeah. And so and also I mean I think another one thing that we envisioned that I wasn't sure would come out was we really wanted to visually show, you know, the sort of energy of of crafting as a social activity and you know it it involves using a lot of historical and amateur photographs Mm -hmm. and um, even though that wasn't necessarily the prettiest thing that came that came through too so 
Yeah, I'm, um, I'm really happy with, with what we ended up with. Well, I think Absolutely. it's beautiful. Great. I, I think it's beautiful, and I actually think that the the mix of professional and just this kind of the snapshot photos, I think that really works well with a book like this because that's really a big part. I mean, a knit-along is about community and about, you know, how all these people living separate lives come together to do this one thing, and um, I think that that decision to incorporate the two types of photography really is great. It, it's really, I thought it was wonderful. I didn't think it detracted at all from what you were trying to do. So. No, I think it's actually critical to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because without the wide variety of, of people and projects in the book, it would be a book just telling you about knit-alongs. Right. But it wouldn't be showing them and experiencing them at all, and the book really celebrates knit-alongs. It doesn't just tell you that they exist and go tell you to go be in one and go find one. It really shows them to you throughout every page of the book. It's just filling images out when you open the book. And so I think that's something that really sets it apart from other knitting books that focus only on the professional photos of the projects or what they call the beauty shots. Mm -hmm. And in our book, we have the beauty shots of the projects, and they were taken by an awesome photographer. He's, his name is Michael Krauser. And we were fortunate to work with him for those. We have those. And then we have all these other photos that are just everywhere. And so you get both of those experiences. And I think it was really um, a hard job for everyone to pull that together. And I really am impressed with um, the publisher and all the designers and the editors who worked on the book for pulling together the beauty shots and the amateur shots and the stories and the projects and these little diaries that I have written in there. The book has so many elements in it. It's just absolutely packed. And it's like more knitting book per page <laughs> than any other book that I've seen. And so bringing <laughs> it all together to every one of us, and we're a lot of different people, and it just is kind of amazing how it came together. It's quite a project. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, you guys have every reason to be very proud of this because I really love it, and, um, and I see a lot of books. I've been doing this show for a couple of years, and so publishers send me, like, their latest mm -hmm. releases, and STC Craft is very consistent with, producing really high-quality books, and it's not just looking pretty. They, the content is always very pleasing. And, and this is um, you guys are just keeping that track record going because this is really fantastic. And I love, too, the fact that you open the inside cover, and you not only invited people to participate in this book, but you credit them. So that must be so cool for people to open the book, know they participated in one of your knit-alongs, and then to be able to find their name in, in mm -hmm. the book is really awesome. And who, that was a great decision. Was that your idea to do that? Or how did you guys come up with, um, you know, figuring out how to credit the folks that helped out? Well, we knew that, uh, we, we knew that we were going to credit everybody who, uh, participated, but, um, there was, we were running out of pages in the book. Because <laughs> um, there are only certain, because the books have to have to be in a multiple of 16 pages. Okay. So we were at 160 pages, and we didn't have any more. And uh, so I just thought, oh, we got the end papers. STC craft does, you know, pretty end papers, so they usually have some kind of a design. In fact, that's why that um, end papers are often like a pretty design, and that's why there are those mittens that um, Uni Jang designed called the end paper mitts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that have, it's like there's usually some design like that, right, little diamonds right. and paisleys and things. And um, they always do the, a beautiful job with them at STC Craft, but 
you know, it just seemed a logical place because the minute you open the book, the first thing you see is people. Mm-hmm. Everywhere, it's just all the people who are part of the book. It was such a collaborative effort. And there was, at times, there, were, there was very little we could offer anybody for being part of it. They just did it because they wanted to. And so this was something we felt very strongly that needed to be offered, that every person had to be mentioned. And also that every photo had to be credited. And so Martin worked tirelessly making sure that every single photo in the book has a proper credit, and all the photos are credited at the back of the book. And the funny thing was I have a couple of photos that I took that are in the book, and when the book first came, I got really excited. I looked in the back for my photo credit. I was like, there's my name. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you wrote the book. Yeah, that's hilarious. I was like, yeah, Larissa, the whole book has your name on it. But it was there's something really special about like seeing yourself as part of a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I have had people tell me how important it's been to them to see their name there. And I've also had um, people tell me, you know, who there's a, there's a project in the book called The Barn Raising Quilt where we collected knitted squares. Um, the pattern is a square made of sock yarn. And um, we got over 100 squares, probably maybe a couple hundred sent in. Wow. And I chose about 45 or I can't remember exactly how many, 42 squares are in the blanket. And so people are very excited to point out their square in the picture. And um, those kind of experiences are part of what makes knit-alongs so compelling because you see yourself as part of this greater whole. Mm-hmm. And that's been just really important for everybody who participated in the book. And we, we were not going to give that up. We had to find a way to make sure that everybody was in there. Well, so I they're think, in the end papers. Yeah, and it's a great way to use those end papers. It's wonderful. And I love the, the barn raising quilt. is is awesome, too. It's a great. I mean, there's so many things in here now. I have a craft club that meets every other Tuesday. And I'm going to be uh-huh. rushing in with this book and say, hey, guys, let's get some knitting going here. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, this is very inspirational. Uh, how many knit-alongs did you guys run for this book? We did, we did six knit-alongs that are in the book. Okay. Um, and a couple of them, four of them are particularly related to projects that are in the book. So you can see the, the pattern and the beauty shot of it. And then you can see some other examples that people made in the book, as well as you can come to knitalong.net and see some more examples as they get added, as people make them. And so, but out of the six, four of them are attached to particular patterns in the book, and then two of them are theme-related, the state fair knit-along mm-hmm. and the recycle-along, where people just did any recycled project that they wanted. And those are paired with projects in the book, but they're not the same project that everybody did. So... We kind of tried to show the, the breadth of how a knit-along can be about a single project or it can be on a bigger theme. And how hard was that to run these knit-alongs? Um, it's not hard, per se, but it's one of the things we say in the book a couple of times is that we recommend if somebody wants to run a knit-along to use technology to their advantage. And I was very lucky that Martin knew how to do that stuff because... I'm, you know, I know just enough about the computer to, like, mess things up. And so <laughs> Martin was able to uh, automate our blog and on WordPress so that people could sign up for the knit-along and get access to the pattern without us having to do anything. It was oh, automatic. That's awesome. And, yeah, so as we got hundreds of people to sign up, we didn't have to worry about them very much. We just got, you know, the 
the odd question here and there. But the bigger thing about it, that was one part, but the bigger thing about a knit-along is some of the earlier ones, like that I did even before anybody knew that we were writing a book, but I, Martin and I knew, and it was the, like the first one was the state fair knit-along. Mm-hmm. It was the recruiting is really hard. It's, running the knit-along is not hard, but making sure that there are enough people in it and that they're all happy and that they're participating is the first step. And we gained momentum as people heard we were doing a book and they got excited. They wanted to join the knit-along. But I remember the State Fair one I did on my personal blog, and then I did a combination of that and in a local yarn shop that has a cafe. And I remember, you know, some of those days at Abundant Yarn, sitting there on State Fair knit-along night by myself. Nobody else showed up. <laughs> and like, or I had to, like, call my, my friends, like, the following week to make sure somebody would be there. Mm-hmm. And I was recruiting people in the cafe during the week, you know, going, like, don't you want to do this knit-along? And <laughs> I felt like such a loser at the beginning. And so one of the things when you do run a knit-along is making sure that you have some people with you who are interested at the start. And, you know, it's... It's a hard experience if you want to do something and you kick it off and then hardly anybody else wants to do it. And right. so it's good to do some pre-recruiting. Well, and you have to do, you have to try to keep that momentum. And I know I haven't done uh, run a knit along, but I, when I started this craft club um, in the fall, I mean, I've had days where I, I mean, I almost, um, a couple weeks ago, I was the only one sitting there. And I was getting right. ready to leave, and then a couple people came in, and then I was like amazed at like how agitated I got though, like at first because I'm like, man, nobody's here, and then people came, and they were just running late, you know. But it was, um, you know, you got to keep that momentum. So yeah, I do the same thing where I'll, you know, you have friends that kind of fill in the, the gaps for you if you, you know, to keep it going. But it sounds like obviously you were able to pull off a highly successful knit along, and um, the the photos of the. The blanket are, are beautiful here. So you recommend that people just consider that before they get um, out there and just start one. There's some things to consider. Well, yeah. There's a whole, uh, I mean, there's a whole, like, kind of how-to tips section in the back of the book. But I think that one thing that might affect people's motivation is just having some sort of natural goal or end you know, to the knit-along, mm-hmm. as opposed to just saying, oh, we're going to all knit this project together, you know, have it be focused on a date or a holiday or, a, you know, um, you know, something that gives it an end so people have a reason to be working on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one reason why the Knitting Olympics was so popular. I mean, obviously, um, Stephanie's a very popular blogger, right. but also it... You know, as we say in the book that she followed some good sort of tricks to keep, uh, you know, for a successful knit-along. Like, it did have a natural um, end to it. And, you know, it had a natural focus of activity, which was during the Olympics. The actual Olympics, right, right. And, you know, there there were just aspects about that knit-along that helped make it a success. You know, if it had been just, the winter knit along, well, it probably wouldn't have been as inspirational. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so we we write about those things in the book, and we got tips also from people, um, from Stephanie Pearl McPhee, and also from lots of other people who've done knit along, bloggers, and you know, people from all different kinds of knit alongs who've done various things to give us tips, and so those are in the book. 
Yeah, that's chapter, well. chapter six. So after people get yes. inspired, they can uh, have the tools they need to uh, launch their own. And what kind, yeah. of, what kind of feedback have you gotten from people? Are, are people launching their own? Have you heard about people? I know it's only been out a short time, but are there more knit-alongs now in the last month because your book's been out? Or Well, I know about a few. Some people, I know a couple of different groups who are doing barn-raising quilts. Uh, people are fascinated with that project because it's a non-sock use of sock yarn. And we know, like, we all get drawn in by beautiful sock yarn, and then we have more than we could ever use in a lifetime. Or we <laughs> right. don't make socks. Right. <laughs> and it's just right. sitting there. And so um, a lot of my patterns actually are non-sock use of sock yarn patterns. I have a couple of scarf patterns I've done. There's a scarf pattern in the book that uses koigu, which is often used as a sock yarn, but it's a scarf that uses sock weight yarn. So I think people are really drawn to that pattern because it makes a washable afghan out of really beautiful yarn that a lot of people have sitting around and don't know what to do with. And it's um, a really perfect group project because everyone can make as many of the squares as they are comfortable making or feel like making. And so it could be made by one really crazy person who makes, you know, 50 squares themselves, or it could be made out of a group of you know, 50 or more people who each make one square. And so I have heard about people doing that blanket already. And then I also have heard, you know, just a few here and there. And on Ravelry.com, there is a group called Knit Along Campaign, where they're starting knit alongs for, you know, several of the projects in the book all at once. And people can join in and, and converse about the book in general. Awesome. Yeah, I was really excited to see that. You know, we were like, is anyone going to want to do a knit-along of any of our projects? <laughs> you know, we're wondering, like, how sad would that be if no one wanted to do one? <laughs> so I was very excited that already there's a group started. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, that's great. I think, um, yeah, this is going to take off because it's a beautiful book. And, and it, it's great because it doesn't – it not only gives people the history and you can feel smarter. You get through the book and you're like, wow, okay, this is, you, know, you have some historical knowledge, but also – great projects, and then the inspiration and information about how to start your own, which is wonderful. You don't have to start your own. You can just join somebody else's. And speaking of feeling smarter, one of the chapters in the book is about challenging yourself. Right, right. And we give some patterns with uh, color work in them that were designed by Adrian Basilia of Hello Yarn. And we have some patterns with uh, new techniques that are probably new to some people. One is a little flower technique that I invented, so I know that will be new to people. I tried to include something clever in each pattern so that if it was a pattern that was, you know, just a plain sock, there's something a little special about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so each pattern in there has something like that and has a little bit of room for learning if you haven't done that technique. There's knitted on I-cord in one of the patterns. There's, um, you know, the Eden scarf that is a 3D leaf scarf with blossoms on it. Which looks really cool. Thank you. It has a new um, way to make a flower that, that I invented. That's the one you were also, talking about? The one you invented? Yeah, the yeah. little flowers on that. And then it also has um, I-cord increasing, decreasing. Uh, blocking is um, an, a diff it's an interesting issue with that scarf. And so there's a lot to learn from doing it. I'm going to teach a class just with that scarf because it's a it's a short, quick and interesting project but where you if you're a beginning or an or an intermediate knitter who maybe hasn't learned some of these particular 
techniques, it's, it's something you can learn on really quickly and have fun with. So we did try to do that in a lot of the patterns. So the leaves for the Eden scarf, the, the, you're, it looks like you're, you're, you're um, knitting I-cord and then you're increasing that I-cord um, for Out each in, leaf? Yeah. Wow. Out into a leaf and then decreasing down. That looks so cool. Yeah, so it gives you a chance to try something that maybe you haven't done. And um, we tried to give a little twist like that to each of the patterns in the book so that it's not a book of just, you know, here are 20 patterns that you've seen before. Yeah, no, and I think that's what's going to make this so, um, it, stand, it really stands out from other knitting books because it's, uh, you could have easily done a knitting book that said, oh, okay, it focused on the knit-along aspect and said, okay, here's some patterns to kind of give you something to do. Um, but these are, like, not, I mean, these are, be, go beyond that. These are patterns that are, really interesting and really fun and, and so I think congratulations on Thanks. taking it up a notch there that really overall <laughs> this is really successful and um what was the biggest surprise for you when when you start started you know you head on this journey I mean you go you talk with Melanie um and she Melanie tells you well actually the book you want to do we're already doing you're kind of going from a crushing disappointment to okay we're, we have a plan b here and it you get working <laughs> right. on it you get some you know momentum going and uh, what what surprises were there along the way? I mean, was there anything that really, or any people you met or things that happened that are kind of unusual that you oh, didn't expect? Oh, I mean, I'm sure there were just a million, but I mean, for me, well, I've always, I've, for years and years and years, have dreamed of writing a knitting book. And so it was a continual surprise to me that I was getting to do that. Like, <laughs> every time that I realized I was doing it, I was like, oh my gosh. But, um, but I think also the surprise that really um, was interesting to me was like that it was a perfect, perfect book for me to write, that it was a better book for me to work on than the one I originally pitched to her. Mm -hmm. And that I, that it was just such a good idea. Um, and I was surprised always to continue finding things that were fascinating to me about this subject you know, year after year as we worked on it for two years, you know, every time we looked into the subject, more and more fascinating things came out. You could never, ever learn about all the relationships that have built up around knitting, and it's just so deep and so, so um, wide. And I don't know, Martin, you might have some specific things. I, I think there are two things that surprise me. Um, number one, just that knitting did actually, when I really tried it that one time, really did have an effect on my character. You know, <laughs> it, it actually was more than an activity. You know, like I said, I, I became more patient. I was able to listen, at mm -hmm. least for that, you know, for the length of, that, of time it took me to make that bookmark. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> um, and then, but then the other thing is I, I was almost as surprised or even more surprised that the book really turned out to be as good as I imagined it to be because, you know, you're used to in these creative endeavors kind of, you know, compromising and coming up with something that you can live with. Right. Um, any, of, any of us who've ever worked with an editor have had to compromise at times. Yes, I, I'm right with you on that. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it really, it really did turn out, uh, you know, pretty much like I imagined and as good as I imagine. Like, I don't mind looking at the book now. <laughs> I, I can tell you must have had some experience. I'm a, my, I'm a newspaper reporter. That's, that's my paid gig. So I can tell, Martin, that you've had some um, experiences in the past with editors, but I can totally sympathize. But that is a great feeling, though, when, when something, when you complete a work whether it be a, a article or, I mean, in your case, this beautiful book, 
Um, that's great that you guys can look at this and really be proud of it. And well, happy we compromised on a lot of things. All of us did, you know, in the formation of the idea. And then we got to the point where we were writing it and getting the photos done, you know, and we, we knew what we wanted to do. We all collaborated, and that involves compromise. But Melanie Fallick would not, she wouldn't have rested if she knew that there was some part of this book that Martin and I didn't feel absolutely great about. You know, down to the last minute of choosing, you know, one or two of the photos that weren't nailed down until the very end, it was like, you know, how do we feel about this? We were involved at every minute, and she actually said to me one time, I, I think I said something about one picture that I that I didn't like the best out of all the pictures, and she was like, if there's something you don't like in this book, I need to know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's really, really important to her to have every single thing right. She's, you know, perfection is her middle name, and <laughs> that's why her books are so great, and so it was really a wonderful experience working with her and this publisher, because they really were invested in us feeling good about the book. Well, that makes yeah. the experience so there's much better. one person we haven't mentioned a lot who was pretty important, and that was Michael Krauser. Yeah. Um, Michael Krauser is the photographer. Uh, yeah, for the professional photos. And he really, I mean, you know, he was a total pro. He did so many, so many brilliant shots in just a few days of work. You know, his kind of attitude and, and skill was, you know, really contributed to. And where did you guys do your photo shoot? Well, we did it here in Portland, Oregon, and mostly in our house. Awesome. Which is hilarious because our house is not a, a showroom type house, and it's, it's you know a common home kind of dirty on most days. And you know, <laughs> he made it look really fabulous. Um, and then we have a beautiful park that's just a couple blocks from our house. So we went up there. We went to a pub that is near here. So it was all within a few block area. And then one morning we went to a um, yarn shop called Close Knit, mm -hmm. which is here in town, and they were very gracious and let us come in and kind of take over their store for some pretty shots. It's a beautiful shop, and uh, they actually didn't even open on time because we were still there, and so um, they were great. So one yarn shop and then just all around our neighborhood and our house. Well, that makes it um, all the more special for you, too, to know that, I mean, your home was part of this, and it wasn't like you yeah. flew off to another state and had to pack up all your stuff. So right. It's all you. Yeah, we had that choice, actually. At one point, Melanie said, you know, do you want us to just do this here or do you want to do this photo shoot? And I really, really wanted to do it, you know, because part of putting together a new book is imagining as you're designing these things what they will look like in a book. And I really wanted to be part of that and have this, this um, aesthetic of the book that we'd been writing into it also come through in the photos. And uh, I think that really really worked as well as it possibly could and we had no idea what we were doing on a fashion photo shoot like I wear a je jeans and a t-shirt every day and there's not anybody you could find less fashionable than us to try to do a fashion <laughs> photo shoot but I think we did okay you and did all great. the models in the great. book are friends of ours and our neighbors from across the street and they look fabulous so um so yeah the photo shoot was great and Michael did a lot of you know, tricks to get things to work that were just completely unknown to us. And watching him work, he hardly ever even used any reflectors or anything. He used natural light for everything, and it was just amazing watching him do that. So he was a great photographer. So are you guys um, in the book? Are you guys in the photos then? 
Uh, my hand is in one, and my feet are in one. But <laughs> we don't really show up anywhere, and um, we do have an author photo on our website, but okay. it didn't make it into the book. There was no room to talk about us anywhere in the book. So no. Well, and that's really. that's awesome too because that says quite a bit about you too that you weren't demanding that your photo be very large and very prominent in the book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are clearly the most important thing here. We are the most important <laughs> part of this book. Actually, you know, I do think that is something that's different about our book. Actually, in that, I mean, there's uh, some of the more popular knitting book authors now are are basically personalities. Yeah. Right. right. And and we're not. You know, we're sell we're selling this book. You know, we're presenting this book on on terms of what's in it. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, it's a really you know. it's a journalistic approach for sure because it's not it's not about it's not about you guys. It's the it's, funny thing is though that at the beginning we didn't know for sure that that's how we were going to do it, and we were talking about having like some things written by Martin and some things written by Larissa. And we were reminded by the editor that we were nobody. <laughs> and that, you know, basically that, like, no one was going to know who Martin and Larissa were, so we needed to find another way to do this. And it's funny because it came full circle to where there is a bit that's written by me. There's a, there's a little thing called Larissa's Knit-Along Diary that takes up a couple pages every once in a while in the book, and there are six of them to go with the six knit-alongs that we ran when we mm-hmm. created the book. And so... I actually did get in there, and my diary has a logo and everything. But, <laughs> but, um, but at the beginning, it was sort of like, well, you're no Mason Dixon knitting, and you can't write a book like that where you sign the chapters. So, <laughs> so, so, so when you guys divided the writing, how did you do it? Um, it's hard to say. We didn't have a set way that we did it, but a lot of times Martin did all the writing on a lot of the book, and then I just would read it and add a little bit of my voice to it and change things and then give them back. He'd change some things back. We'd talk over some. Um, With the diaries, I kind of did most of it, although same thing, Martin read it and commented. Mm -hmm. And then we had another editor, Betty Christensen. So Betty was our our other editor, and she... um, she worked with us on some of, there was a couple sections that really stunk at that point, you know, that we knew had to be improved before the book was finished, and mm-hmm. she helped us with those. And then at the very end, we just got, you know, cut this many words from this chapter, this many words from this chapter, <laughs> and we did that. And it's funny, like, that last cutting of X number of words from each chapter to make it fit on the pages really improved the book, like, remarkably. And so there were many, many, many steps to getting there in the writing. And we both, Martin did most of the writing, and he did virtually all of the research on the historical topics. And he interviewed all the people who were interviewed except for one or two. But, um, but we did both contribute to the, the editing and the, and the winnowing out process. And so it sounds like you focus more on the projects and, and the knit-alongs and, and yeah. finding the the content as far as what would go as far as projects and inspiration for people to do this on their own. Well, it sounds like a wonderful mix. I mean, did you guys have, now I work with my husband too. I mean, I met him in college working at the school paper. And so we've, our whole careers, we've always worked together. We do this podcast together where I, it's my podcast, but, um, He's the man behind the curtain, making it all work, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. And um, we don't know anything different than working together. But how do you guys, I mean, because a lot of people say, oh, my gosh, how could you work with your spouse, you know. And to do a book can be stressful, but, I mean, did you, was it a smooth process for you guys, um, the, creatively working on a project like this together? 
Martin. Did, <laughs> there's uh, silence. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, mean, well, you, I, I thought this one was really good. We actually wrote another book uh, like five years ago. Yeah, was that about grant ago. writing? Or what was yeah, that about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was a much, in that, that was a situation where Larissa was the expert and, and I was the writer translating her work, you know, for the uh, for the masses, general yeah. populace, yeah. and um, I think that was a lot uh, more uneven, you know. And whereas this, this, you know, I really changed a lot. Just sort of, uh, you know, just changed a lot of stuff, and she wasn't comfortable, you know, <laughs> with it. But, um, so well, and then he was like the taskmaster, like we have to edit this whole proof tonight, and I was like, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, neither of us were that as interested. I, the topic we were just getting that book done yeah but and i think that, I, I think on this one we both had areas where we really knew what we were doing yeah. you know like i really knew how to research and write and you know and larissa even though she hadn't done that many patterns she really you know knew how to do artwork right so right we had our you know we had our own areas where we could trust one another i think and yeah and so we just um we kind of you know, trusted each other to do a good job in our areas, and then we, and then, you know, we would, we would occasionally, we would comment or, you know, influence the other person's part, but, you know, it was, it was really an equal collaboration. I was actually very proud of us. Yeah, yeah I think we it, did a good job together. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, I can tell that you guys work well together, because the book is wonderful, and so how long have you guys been married? Uh, 11 years in August. Awesome. Yeah. And so where did, how did you meet? The folks at home might be, this has nothing to do with your book, so you can t- cut me off if you're not comfortable, but they might be curious just, about the love story here. Well, I'm just kind of laughing to go back a second, because when I first met Melanie, I went and met her by myself, and we talked about this book, and she said, okay, well, why don't you go home and do a proposal for this knit-along book and send that back to me? And I said at the very end, and, and I was very nervous to have met her at all, you know, and I, so I was like, uh, can I have my husband write it with me? And she was sort of like, sure, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, because you never know. Some editors might be like, "No, why? Can't you do it yourself? What's wrong here?" Yeah, she just wanted to know, you know, that we both could do it and what our approach would be. And as far as that, it could have been like me and anybody coming as co-authors to her. But it was right. kind of funny looking back on that. But um, Martin and I met at a we met through a mutual friend. He went to high school with this person, and I went to college with him. And so. When I went, you know, back to visit his home, Martin was around there, and we went to a party, a craft feast in Maryland, and that's like the day we officially met each other at the party. Yeah. And, and um, we we dated for a while, and then we broke up for four years before wow. we got back together and got married, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, it was meant to be then if you came back around <laughs> yeah. four years later. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Martin has anything to add to that story. <laughs> that's good. you know that my husband would probably respond the same way that's hilarious but yeah well yeah whatever it is you guys have a good thing going you know and even though you're in different locations right now because larissa where are you right now oh i'm at home you're at home okay and martin where are you um i'm at the vet because our our dog is sick oh no what's wrong with your dog um She's very ill. Oh no! Is this is this a dog that's in the? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Is yeah. that the dog that's on the blanket in the in, yeah. the, in the book? Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. She's a great dog, Ellie, and she. I'm so glad that she's in the book in a couple of places. Yeah. Um, because uh, she's, yeah, she's not going to be with us for a oh, lot longer. Oh, I am so sorry. She's been our dog for eight years, and we love her. So. Yeah. She's I, there in the book. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. That yeah, she's on page 29, and then um, some. The Olive's <laughs> Afghan. Well, I knew that was yeah. a special dog because you have to very be a very special dog to get to to lay on someone's handmade blanket you know that's right uh, my dog is i do permit my dog to lay on my uh hand woven stuff but i you know it's it's, it's got to be a special special dog so, so yeah well, that's wonderful that you have that tribute and we'll be thinking yeah. about you guys because i know that's rough i've gone through that with my first dog and it's very difficult because yeah. uh, they're like people you know? yeah yeah so as far as your your book goes and this experience, I mean, has it started to change your life? I mean, do you feel like now you're on the knitting scene? I know it's it's just it just came out, but people, well, um, you know, you were told that people really didn't know who Larissa and Martin were. Do you think that's changing a little bit with this book? It's so hard to tell <laughs> because the only like the knitting scene I'm part of is just this like internet ravelry. Few you know people who read my blog. It's a limited circle, and I don't know what's happening like in the bigger world yeah but I did I, I did meet somebody the other day who said to me she's a knitter and she owns a shop and I don't know the name of it but in LA I think and um I just met her for the first time and she said to me after we'd been eating breakfast for about 45 minutes she turned and looked at me and went oh did you write that book like she was realizing I was that person <laughs> so like yeah and then we didn't talk about it anymore. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. It's yeah, so I funny. wrote that book. Yeah. So do you guys plan to, are you guys planning to do another book about knitting or any other craft? I don't think Martin is, but I would like to, and I'm working on another idea. Um, and I have lots of um, samples and information that I'm gathering to get to Melanie to see if she'll be interested in this other idea. Awesome. So I'm interested. Yeah, well, I hope you do because this is really, really great. And and Martin, I think you have some street cred now in the craft world too. Whatever that's yeah. worth, whatever that's worth to you, because I know you're not really looking to get any discounts on yarn for yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but just imagine the patience that you'd have if you like do a whole sweater. I mean, right. someone could probably tell you some really crazy stuff. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if there's anything else that you would like the folks at home to know about your book or, um, I mean, what is your hope for this? What do, what do you really hope that people do when they get a copy of this book? Um, I'm just, well, I'm glad to hear everyone really likes reading it, but I'm also just dying to see people making the projects. And so I want to see pictures of projects out there, and I'm, I'm, I look all the time for them, even though it's only been a short time. Some of the projects <laughs> in the book take like an hour to make, so they are already getting out there, and it's really thrilling to me to see them. I want to see all the different variety of what people do with them. Now, what is the best way for people? Are, are there Flickr groups? Do you have an official Flickr group started for the book or an, an, any kind of um, website that, I mean, I don't know if links from your website. What can people do to, if they want you to see what they're doing? Uh, what's the best yeah. way for them to do it? Well, if, um there's a, a website, knitalong.net, which is just about the book. Okay, I did see that. Okay, and that has... Right. Um... And then uh, there's a page on that. There's a galleries page. Okay. And then that will currently give links to uh, either our own galleries or to Flickr sites for the, for the six knitalong projects, which are described in detail in okay. the book. You know, if people start making a lot of 
more projects, we can always add more more links or more galleries there. Okay. Is yeah. there any kind of Flickr setup where people can upload their own images, or would you prefer people email you photos, or what would you oh, like people to no, do? No, no, they can just yeah. do it all on all on Flickr. Oh, okay. Yeah. All on Flickr. Okay. Yeah. Just follow the links. We have just the six groups that are out there. You know, like the State Fair knit along. The Meathead Hat has a group, but. If there's a if there's a project that someone's doing and they're a Flickr member and they want to do that, they can start their own group. And we we have tried to steer away from starting official groups for people to join ourselves because we would rather that that happen, you know, from people out there who are reading the book and are interested. You know, we'd right. like that to be able to be a grassroots thing rather than something we're telling people. Well, to do. and it also so. it keeps it very organic where people can just do their own thing and you guys can kind of watch instead of feeling responsible for every single group that's come, been inspired right. by your exactly. book. Because that could be yeah. a bit, I mean, the rest of your life then you could be like, wow, we got to really manage these photos on Flickr, you know? So, yeah, yeah, we yeah. can't. We can't. <laughs> yeah, you that can't. Before. It's yeah. something we actually tell people in the book not to do. It's right. like, don't gather photos. Use Flickr. <laughs> because yeah, just let you it... start getting so many photos from people. Yeah. So, I mean, I think people should go on Flickr, search for the project. If it's not there, they can start a group or just put it up, you know, on their own and, and send us a link so that we can go see it. If You know, that would be fine. And also, um, if you are on Ravelry.com, there is a group that you can join called Knit Along Campaign. Excellent. Well, I will post links to both those well, areas, you know, too. In response to your earlier question, I think there is something I would like to see come out of the book. I would like to see the meathead hats become like a complete national craze. <laughs> <laughs> because they're kind of like, it's, they're kind of like uh, you know, having a balloon or getting an ice cream cone or something. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you know, they just put... I, I think that, you know, they just put people in this mode where they can't be hip and they have to be happy. Right. Because <laughs> if you have a balloon, you can't go around looking miserable. And it's the same thing with, um, same thing with a meathead hat. So I think that could be good for the country. Yeah, I think that yeah. actually could be really good. So if the UN, if all the uh, world leaders gather and they're wearing yeah. meathead hats and knitting, yeah. I would be really interested to see what would happen, what would transpire during that meeting. That's right. But, no, those are great. And um, So do you guys go around town and meet Head Hats? I have. Yeah. Our son does. Yeah. I don't think Martin has a meet Head Hat. He has hat, hats that – he wears the um, the entomology hat from the book that has beetles, the beetle design that's designed by Adrian Bazilia. Awesome. Yeah. He wears that hat. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of seized that hat and <laughs> – <laughs> I created it for myself. That's right. That hat will not be in the trunk show when it comes to your town. <laughs> because, <Martin> stole it. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? We'll let you slide on that. You put a lot of effort in. I think you earned yeah. the right to uh, claim one of the hats for your own. Right. Yeah, I'm going to have to get busy uh, making my family uh, some meathead hats so we can do our part in West Michigan to get this thing started. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of people doing them as, um, you know, for everyone in the family. And also, I've heard of people doing a smaller, you know, version of the meathead hat. We have a child size in the book now, and um, doing them as party favors for a kid's party. There oh, was somebody really who did idea. one for every kid who was coming because they literally take like an hour or less to make. Well, hats. I like the fact that they're on big needles and yeah, pretty yeah. go go pretty fast, and they look easy. And they are they are easy. They're a good beginner project, and the, and then the fun thing is you get to decorate it because the hat is a really basic pointy like elfin hat if for those who haven't seen it and then you're encouraged to put one embellishment on it on sort of the front over the ear 
And so people have done everything, you know, from like felted flowers and, and vintage buttons to like a safety pin from a dry cleaner or a little like pirate patch or whatever. So the fun thing is you get to put your thing on your hat. I think it's awesome. Well, I want to start doing some graffiti netting around uh, Grand Rapids here with my little crew. And uh, uh-huh. we need to have these hats, I think, when we go about doing our business. I think that would be quite... Uh, yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just look... I mean, it's totally scary concept to begin with. And then if you have hats on like this. Um, right. You know, that, with, our, with our little symbol on there. So, yeah, you've already inspired something crazy here in West Michigan. So uh, and right. I haven't even aired the show yet. Thanks so much, you guys. I really appreciate it. It's been a wonderful joy to talk to you. And I I think the folks at home are going to love hearing the story behind it along and uh, I can't wait to see you know in a year's time all the wonderful things that have been created inspired by this book I think that's going to be really cool so well thank you yeah Great. Okay. okay talk to you thank soon you. bye bye thank you so much Larissa and Martin Don for sharing the story behind this book please visit craftsanity.com for the links to their website and uh, some Flickr sites uh, where you can see some of the handiwork of the folks that contributed to this book and I'm going to also do a giveaway for this book so why don't you head over to craftsanity.com and under the write-up for episode 76 please leave a comment about your experience with community knitting maybe you didn't have an experience yet with community knitting Tell me what you want to do. And I, I'm going to skip the after show. I will just tell you uh, that I'll need you guys all to kind of cross your fingers for me that I don't do anything too crazy. Uh, at the end of the week, I'm going to Detroit to tape a very short snippet about craft sanity for a PBS show called Knit and Crochet Today. I've been invited to go and speak about my podcast, which I'm really excited about. You know, I'm a print journalist, so doing this podcast was kind of a step outside my comfort zone and now I'm taking another bigger step into the world of of TV. I've been on PBS before. I used to do a little round table editor's notepad up at Central Michigan. I would do a, I think it was editor's notepad or editor's notebook. I'm not sure, but it was a little current events kind of talk show, which is kind of funny because um, I have some of the tapes and, you know, I look, you know, kind of ridiculous, but, uh, because I would get kind of angry, like I'd prepare, like I'd know the topic and I would prepare and kind of study up. And then the guy who was the host of the show did most of the talking and I found it very frustrating. And just the way I am, I mean, any of you who have seen me in person, I, I'm just really, um, whatever I'm thinking kind of flashes across my face. So I wasn't very subtle about the fact that I was growing quite frustrated in this this setting. So I'm sure that this will be a much different scenario because we're talking about crafts. I'm excited about this. Kristen Nicholas is actually responsible for opening this door to me. She uh, knows the producer of the show and gets put a good word in for me. So I'm really thankful to her for that because she didn't have to do that. Just wish me luck that I don't break anything or fall down. And, you know, I, I hope this goes well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll probably wear an apron just because... You know, that's kind of my thing, but I'll try not to look too dorky. I did try on a dress with a little crocheted apron. I'm not going to wear this, I don't think, but I tried it on. I asked little Abby, who's going to be four in a couple weeks, uh, how it looked. And she said, Mom, you know, that looks kind of weird. And I'm thinking, okay, if if my four-year-old is saying that, and I had some doubts about it, so I think I'm going to go with my gut, and which was reaffirmed by my almost four-year-old daughter. Uh, I'm not going to go with that outfit. I'm going to try something different, but yeah. See, that's the thing. With this podcast, I never have to worry about any of that stuff, so yeah. 
Okay, I've rambled on way too long. So I uh, hope to see you guys over at craftsanity.com. Uh, if you have any show suggestions, please send them my way. Also, if you have any ideas for uh, I write a weekly craft column, and I'm, I'm looking for some fun stuff that can be made for moms on Mother's Day. So if you have anything that was given to you or something you've made your mom that was really successful or the gift you wish your family would give you on Mother's Day, let me hear about it. I might be able to work something into my craft column. And if I do, I will credit you as a source for sure. And uh, I would also mention this stuff on craftsanity.com too because that's, you know, that's where this all started. Anyway, I really appreciate you guys tuning in again this week. I'll be back next week with a chat with uh, Jenny Hart. Very excited about that. That was really fun to get a chance to talk to the queen of embroidery. I'm also interviewing, I postponed this interview, but I'm interviewing Susie Hewer. She holds a world record for the longest scarf knitted while running a marathon. Yes, a marathon, folks. This woman is incredible. I'm going to be talking to her next weekend. So if you have questions for her, email them to me, jennifer at craftsanity.com. You guys have a great week. And uh, in the meantime, don't forget to craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit craftsanity.com for more information about today's guest and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.